On today's show, the latest NBA draft intel and rumors. Why is Scoot Henderson's draft stock falling? And is there a chance that he could actually be available to the Houston Rockets at pick number four? Or are the Houston Rockets absolutely locked in on one of the Thompson twins with their fourth overall selection? It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. Alperon Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe for today's show. I want your prediction of how the top five picks are going to play out in this year's NBA draft draft. Drop it in the YouTube comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is the host of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, Raphael Barlow, who you can track down wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Locked On NBA Big Board and you can track him down on Twitter at Barlow500. Raphael, we are 10 days away from the NBA draft, that magical time of year. Let's kind of start with what you're kind of seeing and hearing in the lead up to the draft and kind of your expectations for at least how this top part of the draft is is likely going to shake out with some of the the big names right coming after Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, man. I mean, it's so much smoke right now. You know, don't don't know what to believe. On one hand, you can say the draft starts at number two because we don't know what Charlotte is going to do. All the rumors are saying they're leaning towards Brandon Miller. But if he if if he is their guy, what does Portland do at number three? I mean, I've heard some some trade rumors, not like Intel, but you know, just read some different some different trade rumors. I can't really see a scenario where, where if Brandon Miller does go number two, that Portland brings in Scoot, Dame, and Anthony Simons, where they're they're having those three guys in their backcourt. Um and then I guess, you know, with Houston. You know, you everything points towards that they're going to take one of the Thompson twins. I know, like, Amon is the guy that you see mocked a lot there. But um, from just what I've been hearing, that some teams don't really see that big of a difference between Amon and Asar Thompson. So, uh, and then, you know, I just saw that Houston could possibly trade for, like, Kyrie or, or go after Kyrie. You know, the Harden stuff is, I think, is really legit. So it's a lot going on. So, I mean, on one hand, I think this is a rare draft that, you know, picks two, three, four could could even be packaged. Not all at the same time, but I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte makes a trade. I wouldn't be surprised if Portland makes a trade. And even if in Houston, in a sense, because it just seems like 
the Rockets are definitely looking to add some some vets. And then it's outside of the top five, but just from different agents I talked to, they're like, there's no way the Rockets are keeping their pick at 20. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of been my understanding too. Is they they definitely don't want to make another selection and have yet another young guy to bring in, develop, grow all that with pick number twenty. So I'm, I'm fully expecting that to get moved at some point. Now, whether it's moved as part of a larger deal, right, packaged with pick number four, make a splash for a distressed asset, asset a star player, something like that. Um, you know, that part's kind of TBD. I just you know when we get to draft night, though, I, I fully don't expect them to make that selection at twenty. You talk about Portland, right, being kind of the wild card here with pick number three. I mean, is it completely outside of the realm of possibility where, you know, so many people have chalked it up to, oh, the Blazers are going to trade the pick. They're going to trade it. They're going to trade it, right? Mm -hmm. It requires there to be a good trade package on the table for them to trade the pick, and they might not ultimately find one. So if they're in the position of still having Damian Lillard and, and wanting to run it back, I mean, is it crazy to think that we see, you know, Asar Thompson or Cam Whitmore, a guy that's maybe a bit more equipped to play off of a Damian Lillard, get drafted at number three in this year's draft instead of, say, Scoot Anderson? Yeah, on one hand, I can see it. But then on the other hand, I'm like, man, could you imagine Scoot falling to like four? If that's the case, I think Houston would be jumping for joy because you can say this back-to-back years, they end up getting the guy that they probably really wanted and, and didn't have to have the number, I guess, I guess, you know, you would. You know, it's, you it's okay. Think. I could say it for you. Back-to-back yeah. -back years, they fell ass backwards into one of the projected top picks of the draft in a lower yeah. spot, and that would be yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that was that was the perfect way to word it because I didn't want to say they would take Scoot number one if, if he were, if they, if they won the lottery. But, yeah, I mean. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a wild draft night, and also wouldn't be shocked if some of the the rumors that we're hearing about don't happen, and it's it's some other team that makes like this huge deal, whether it's like Minnesota or or even Washington. I mean, I don't think I'd be caught up by surprise if Bradley Beal or or Pro Anthony Towns are moved on draft night. I could, I could easily, right, those are guys that are constantly in those trade rumors. I, to me, the, the teams that keep I keep circling back to that I think are the trade-up opportunities, right, the ones that could be in play for maybe pick number three and, and squeeze in there and, you know, scoop up Scoot Henderson before he has a chance to fall to the Rockets at number four. Uh, you know, I keep looking at the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors as two teams that are primed with some pieces that could potentially be dealt to the Blazers, depending on if they really want to pony up, if they're really bought into the idea of a Scoot Henderson at number three or potentially, mm -hmm. you know, even Amon Thompson, because to me, Amon Thompson screams, uh, he's a Masai Ujiri guy, right? Six, seven, good, good length, athleticism, all that. He's a guy that I feel like the Raptors would, would love to be able to bring in. But Raphael, it feels like lately we haven't heard a lot of positive about Scoot Henderson. In fact, the other day, uh, ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni said that many NBA executives I said that they were disappointed in what they saw from Henderson this season in multiple viewings, which is kind of likely causing him to fall to number three unless he absolutely blows the Hornets away in, in you know in a private workout. But just where do you kind of see his draft stock right now? Like, is he is he plateauing? Is he dropping a little bit in the eyes of you know scouts and executives? What are you seeing? I mean. Yeah, I get where Gavoni's going. I haven't. I didn't actually see the article, but I'm just surprised that it hasn't been talked about more. So think about it like this: if Brandon Miller or you know the Thompson twins or another college player decided to shut it down 
during the season, they would get totally criticized for it. But I think Scoot won so many people over at the beginning of the season in that showcase game against Wimbayama that, I mean, people were so, oh, he's the guy that would be number one in any other year. And he had such, I don't know, I guess good capital in a sense amongst like draft Twitter that people overlooked the fact that he did shut it down in the second half of the year. And the team was bad, which, you know, you don't expect the G League Ignite to be a really good team. But I think that he just kind of had the luxury of being able to shut it down, sit out games and, and miss games with injuries that nobody thought were really serious because he was protecting his draft stock. While if he does that in college basketball and, and you're watching, you know, ESPN and they're like, oh, you know, we, we had the big matchup between whatever and Scoot isn't playing. And it's like, oh, he's, he's out with a a nasal fracture injury or something like that. I think the whole narrative would, would be totally different. And I know like for me, and I'm not an NBA executive by, by any means, but I had it on my schedule that I was going to be able to catch Scoot play five times this year. And I saw one game in Vegas and like five minutes <laughs> in the second game. Other than that, he missed, he missed games. So I do think that, I, well, I, could, I say it like this. I think I can understand why some people may be concerned that he really took his foot off the gas in the second half of the season, as if he was really comfortable with where he was going. While you know, like the other guys may not have had the luxury, but then you look at Vic. On the other hand, he's you know he's he played for the, the national team in the and middle, he's, and he's still season. tearing it up. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's somewhat concerned that I just surprised that hasn't been brought up more. Coming up, what happens if Scoot Henderson and Amon Thompson are both on the board for the Houston Rockets at number four? We're going to get there in just one moment. The first today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp because, look, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself, right? If you're spending all your time giving, it can leave you feeling stretched super thin, completely burned out because you don't have any time to focus on your own needs. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your very first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, you said earlier you kind of envision one of the Thompson twins going to the Houston Rockets and mm-hmm. you even mentioned this the other day on your show, Locked on NBA Big Board, which you can track down, again, wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube. Go subscribe. If you're a Rockets fan, you need to be listening to Locked on NBA Big Board and all the amazing work you guys do over there. If Scoot Henderson somehow does fall to pick number four, is it a guarantee that he is the selection for the Rockets at number four? Would it be basketball malpractice if they somehow 
past Scoot Henderson at number four. Again, this was a this was a hypothetical that was brought up amongst Rockets fans, you know, a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. Is you know what happens if Scoot Henderson and Amon Thompson are both there on the board at number four? Because you see, you know, some of their you know, similar strengths, weaknesses, ability to run an offense, play, make at a high level, all that. I'm fully bought in on Scoot Henderson, right? I think he's the guy. I think he's going to be like a 10 plus, you know, year all-star, completely transform a franchise. I'm bought in on what he brings. But is there enough there as far as Amon Thompson being maybe the, the mystery box, if you will, of that like, illustrious six, seven, you know, Swiss army knife point guard, versatile defender, all that. Is there enough there to make the argument that you might take Amon Thompson over Scoot Henderson? I wouldn't do it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But you know what? I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) What would be crazy is if, I mean, say that does happen. Detroit probably might not take him at, at five. And then, I mean, does it turn into a thing of like, oh, all right, wait a minute. If these guys didn't take them, so there's something must be wrong. Because mm. if you're Detroit, you probably haven't. And I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know if they've even brought them in for a workout. Um, I doubt if I don't know if the Pacers have brought them in. I mean, Orlando. Would it's it's only I think it was only two teams, right? It was it was Charlotte and, and Portland bringing him in. He did, he did his Portland workout. I don't think he's done yeah. a Charlotte workout yet. Um I think he said the other day he's only planning to work out for two teams, right? Because he doesn't see himself falling past number three. Now, maybe, yeah. right, that changes in the next, you know, 10 days or so leading up to the draft. Maybe his camp gets, like, the intel or whatever. Or he doesn't get a promise that he's going to get taken. But at least right now, he's only worked out for the two teams. Yeah, so, I mean, it puts the Rockets in a position. Like, do we draft a guy? I'm sure they've done their homework. I don't want to, like, make the, you know, assumption that they haven't done any homework on him. But they probably are unlikely to have seen him up close and, and, you know, maybe they interviewed him at the combine, but not brought him in for like a workout. So that, that could be really interesting. It would definitely add some drama to the storyline. And, you know, at like, especially if you live in the content space, it'll be a really good story to, um, to write about. I can't see it. I really can't see it happening, but I mean, I think there is a chance, especially if there's like a trade and, and I mean, so many teams have lead ball handlers and point guards now that I don't I don't know too many teams where it's like a perfect fit other than San Antonio. And I mean, Houston could be one of those teams. But, you know, the way I look at it and I've, I was saying it even last year in a fair and just fair and open training camp, the scoop beat out KPJ for the starting point guard job and just a fair training camp. If KPJ didn't have the reputation that he does have around his name and he was like this guy that people thought had like this crispy clean like i don't know um character we wouldn't be talking about moving kpj you know what i mean so i i wonder like just in a clear cut training camp is scoop better than kpj i don't know I don't know. I, and I think right now there's certain elements of, of Scoot's game, right? Where he's just, he's a more natural point guard, right? You see, you see the feel for the game when you watch him play, the way he kind of orchestrates, gets guys in the right spots, the way that he reads the floor. It's something that he's been doing his whole life. Whereas for KPJ, right, he's been kind of adjusting to and trying to grow into that role. And there's moments where you can see him like actively thinking about the game rather than like reacting and just playing the game that he knows how to play because he's overanalyzing or not really, again, not feeling what he's doing. He's overthinking stuff out there. Sometimes the talent is absolutely there. 
And like you said, right, he's just got the baggage around him, unfortunately. So that's something that, you know, gets considered whenever you talk about his name. Let's stick with the, because, it, you know, as, as fun as it is to manifest this insane idea that Scoot Henderson might fall to the Rockets, which again, still fingers crossed, you know, it, so much points to the fact that it's going to be really hard for him to actually show up at four for Houston. So let's focus in on the, the Thompson twins here really quick. How ready do you kind of envision both Amin and Asar to contribute to an NBA team right out of the gate? Because one of the things for the Rockets, right, is they're not necessarily looking to be competitive next year in the sense that they want to, you know, be gunning for a top seed in the playoffs, titles, none of that. But they want to, they've been, you know, at the bottom of the scrap heap for three years. They want to take those steps towards being a competent franchise again. That's why you hear so much about the potential return of a James Harden. That's why they want to add veterans and free agency, all of that. The messaging is crystal clear. They want to be a better team next year. So do you think Amin and Asar are players that right out of the gate as rookies can contribute to at least a somewhat winning environment? Are they guys that are going to have to be brought along a bit more slowly than that? That's that's the million dollar question because you can make a case to say they're literally making the jump from high school to the NBA. Yeah. So you have to factor in that there is going to be possibly a a, a a bigger learning curve because just a huge step up in competition. And then they also have some, you know, some struggles with their outside shooting. And so can they really contribute to a team? In, in the half court if, if they don't have the ball in their hands. So I think those are real concerns. But, I mean, athletically, they're off the charts. Amon Ben, I mean, you could make a case and say he's the best – he'd be the best athlete in the NBA next year. And I've talked about it before. Uh, and Amon Thompson, Jalen Green backcourt, in my opinion, I, off the top of my head, would be like the most athletic backcourt, like, ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, I do think – Defensively, they have the tools to be great. I mean, I think it's going to be a huge learning curve and just learning like concepts and, and so on. So it's almost like it would have been better for the Thompson twins to be selected by the Rockets in 2022 as opposed to 2023 because, you know, after a three year stretch where it's like the worst stretch in franchise history. I think that the Rockets are looking for not necessarily significant change, but at least, I mean, if they can double their win total, I mean, I think that would be ideal. But I don't know. I mean, how many games did they win this year? Was it like 17 or something like that? No, it was 20, 21, 22, somewhere around there. Okay, I, already, I already forgot. Okay. But I, I already blacked that part. Just, just get get, okay. get out of my memory. Like, I don't want to remember that. <laughs> Blocked it out. Okay. But well, doubling that would be would be I mean that would be great. But I mean oh, like, that would be insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if like I think ten to fifteen extra wins would be a comfortable yes. margin for them next season. Yes, yes. So um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting because I, I do think, like I said, they have a bigger learning curve, and they do have like you know a glaring weakness, a real big glaring weakness. But you know they make up for it with the athleticism and the passing. When you kind of. Getting into some of your draft philosophy, when you're when you're analyzing a prospect and trying to see, you know, how they fit, all that, how much do you how much stock do you really put into the idea of, oh, this guy's an Uber athlete, right? Like, you know, talking about Amon Thompson mm -hmm. potentially being the most athletic guy in the NBA next year. How how important is that as far as translating and, and actually becoming a good NBA player when you weigh other things like their skills or the environment they played in, all that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, it's important. I mean, I think naturally it's 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 easy to like focus on athleticism, but we're watching a guy that's like the two time MVP that is, you know, <laughs> very likely to win a championship that can't jump over a curve. <laughs> so it's one of those things where I think plenty of teams have gambled on athleticism over skill and have made a mistake. I mean, I, I think Greg Brown you know, the kid from UT a couple of years ago is one of the best athletes in the world. Like, but he just didn't have the skill set. And so he was drafted. I mean, he was a second round pick, but he was so highly touted because he was so athletic. And maybe if he comes out of high school and doesn't have that year at UT where he struggles, he ends up getting drafted earlier. And now the Thompson twins are different because they are really good passers. And so they're definitely more skilled. But I think for them, their passing will need to be – I think they'll need to be really good shooters. Not necessarily really good shooters, but I think they'll have to be better shooters to really unlock their passing. And if they're if they're not, like, even league average shooters, then I think it could, you know, mess – not mess – well, I think it could have an impact on how great of a passer they can become because in today's NBA, you look at some of the best passers, what makes them such – really good playmakers like a guy like James Harden and Lucas because they're such dangerous scorers. And so I think with the Thompson twins, they're going to have to be really good shooters to maximize their, their passing. So it's a long winded answer, but I guess you can't teach athleticism and I get why people value athleticism, but I think I would value skill over athleticism. Coming up, let's dive into the Thompson Twins a little bit further. And is there an argument to be made for Asar over Amin Thompson for the Houston Rockets? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Nikola Jokic to score more than 26.5 points? What about Bam Adebayo to have less than 11.5 rebounds? How about Jimmy Butler to have more than 6.5 assists? Or what about Jamal Murray to have less than 4.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports. But how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can go up to 25 times back on your money on any entry you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections that are available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL. They've got you covered for all the action over at Prize Picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And right now, during the NBA Finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. But you got to download the app to find out how. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That means if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, when we're looking at the Thompson twins here, Asar is not nearly the athlete that Amin is, but Skill-wise, right, you know, Amon's been the primary facilitator, the the lead guard, if you will, you know, playing for the, the City Reapers and Overtime Elite. And his brother's been more the off-ball, the wing, you know, guy, you know, playing that, you know, small forward-esque position. If you're looking at the Houston Rockets and the idea, right, and I've, I've been told this, that, you know, the draft won't impact who they take 
at number four. It's hard for me to like fully believe that though, because like that's one of those really, that's one of those things you like say just to kind of like, you know, just, yeah, of course, it, of course it won't impact who we take at number four. But if you feel like you have James Harden in hand, right? Of course, that's probably going to play into your decision-making a little bit, you know, with who you ultimately take as like the final piece of the rebuild, mm. right? The final top prospect that you can get your hands on here with the NBA draft. Which, uh, you know, and I'm kind of torn on this, man. Looking at the idea of, okay, if you were to bring in Amon Thompson, right? Maybe if you do bring back James Harden and you bring Amon Thompson back and he's, you know, coming off the bench or something like that, you know, being able to grow and develop under a lead guard like James Harden, right? A guy teaching him the game, that kind of stuff, versus an Asar Thompson who is better equipped to play an immediate role off of a guy like that. You know, is there enough of an argument there to be made? Or is there enough of a, I guess, how big is the gap in your eyes between the Thompson twins to where the, is there a legitimate enough argument to be made to take Asar over um, and at pick number four? I mean, honestly, I don't think there's that much difference between them. And I don't think Asar fits better than, than Amin. I mean, what, because he's like a, a 29% shooter as opposed to 28% shooter. I mean, they're very similar. Like Amin is the one that people think is the, you know, the natural point guard. But I, if I'm not mistaken, he averaged 6.2 assists for the season while Asar averaged 6.1 assists. And, and I spent some time at overtime a couple of weeks ago, I was just talking to some people around there, and people felt like the offense ran better with Asor at 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 the point as opposed to to Amin, um, and they felt like Amin is a better a better cutter, which you know naturally you would think is the other way around. But if I were running the Rockets and I signed James Harden, then I'm going with Cam Whitmore. I mean, I just can't imagine spending the fourth pick on a guy, and even for like his morale, like yeah, you know, we just drafted you four, but we just got this guy that we're just going to give him 200 million for four years. So you're going to be his backup for a couple years. And I mean, it's not like it's a random free agent. It's James Harden, the guy that is really loved by Houston and so on. And so I just think like the fit would be really, really weird because, you know, the best players to have on the floor with James Harden are guys that can knock down open shots. And so with Harden's first step, not being as electric as it was in Houston, I think he really is going to need floor spacers because he's not going to be able to get by guys as, as much as he used to be. So you, you, if you have like guys that can knock down shots that, that make teams, you know, think about digging, then um, it makes Harden better. But if you surround Harden with guys that can't shoot and you're paying them 200 million, it, to me, that just doesn't make sense for, and it's just my opinion for them to take Harden and then surround him with a guy that's best, suited to play with the ball in his hands that isn't really a good shooter off the ball. You know, and and first of all, I I yeah, I've I don't know how many times I've echoed this sentiment here, but if the Rockets give James Harden a four-year $200 million contract, I'm gonna be the first person standing outside Toyota Center with a with a megaphone saying it was a terrible idea. Well, you um, better get that megaphone because I think it's happening. Oh man, I just <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go order it on Amazon right now. I mean he turned down 35 million and this is last big contract. And this is just, I'm guessing, this is last big contract. No tax state. 
I know my my my, <laughs> my understanding of the situation though is they don't feel like they have to give him that contract. And I think that's why you're seeing some of the stuff coming out of his camp, right? Where it's not, you know, I, I think Harden's camp kind of thought it was a is a guarantee that they were like, oh, we got Houston, they'll give us the four year, whatever. Like, and then we'll get and then we'll leverage it against Philly. And I don't think the Rockets have actually offered it yet. I don't think they're 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 not they're not pushing as hard as as a lot of people are making it out to be that it's a guaranteed oh four years, two hundred million. Here you go, James, please come back to us. We we you know, they would bring him back under the right circumstances. And I think the right circumstances do have some contingencies in there, you know, whether it's a two year deal or a three year with like a, you know, non-guaranteed something in there, some, some safety measures, if you will, but. They got to spend the money. And I mean, I think this thing with Phoenix kind of, and you know, he has ties to Phoenix yeah, because uh, I know he he has a house there too. And he went to Arizona state. So you wonder, does that like create of another bidding a bidder mm-hmm. that they weren't expecting to have. So. I guess that, that's, that's definitely something to consider as far as the James Harden front. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, and that's one of the, you know, it's obviously that that's kind of one of the big question marks facing the Rockets, not only the draft stuff, but also what happens with James Harden. But, you know, the, the names that we keep hearing at the top of the draft, right? And you, you mentioned earlier, you know, the draft starts at two really after Wimby goes number one. It's so much of the, Pre-draft cycle has been, it's, you know, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, and Amon Thompson keeps being that third name thrown into the mix. You just said you kind of view Amon and Asar as, you know, more or less on, you know, on the same level or the same player. You know, I mean, how much of, is there a distinct gap between, because again, it's it's those three names that you keep seeing people talk about, right? Scoot, Miller, and Amon. How much of a gap if there is one between those three guys and like some of the next names on the list, right? Whether it's a SAR cam Whitmore, who's a guy that I'm incredibly excited about. And I've, I've been really high on him. And again, if the Rockets had landed at five or six with their pick, I would have been excited about drafting cam Whitmore for sure. But is there a case for some of these other guys to maybe make the jump into what has been that consensus top three going picks two, three, and four? Yeah. I mean, I think cam Whitmore should definitely be in the mix for the Rockets at four and even a SAR. I mean, Asor is the guy that people think is the lesser of the two twins, but he's the guy that's the two-time MVP of overtime elite. He's the guy that some people think is a better defender. He's the one that people think is a better shooter, not by much. And he still averaged, what, 6.1 assists compared to 6.2 for Amon. So I don't think the gap is that big. I just think that, you know, if if Amon is a one percentile, I mean, there's only like he's like in the top one percent athlete or 99 what you know you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah then his brother is like four like i mean the gap is is just a small gap in athleticism i mean both are going to be in my opinion top 10 athletes in, in the nba so i don't think the gap is that big and i don't think that and, and we're starting to see a little chatter about it now that i mean it's, it's clear cut that Amin is is the favorite to go over his brother so Again, one is the two-time MVP of the league, and the other wasn't. So to, to me, that's just kind of – I feel like it's kind of follow the leader. Like the first group of people that put Amin ahead of his brother, I think everybody else just kind of followed. And it just became that kind of hive mind tendency of, okay, we're all just going to you know, kind of go with yeah, the, like, the same line of thinking. How many people are really like watching overtime elite? That's that's the thing. Like, I feel like, and, and maybe like in the draft world, uh, you know, maybe like teams. But how many people are like really, really like watching four or five full games to, to make their, 
you know, to state their case that Amin is better. That's that's my question. That's a good point. And if, <laughs> now, if if you're sitting, so let's we'll 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 wrap things up here. We'll put you we'll put you in the driver's seat. Oh yeah, I like this. <laughs> Scoot, Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller are off the board. Yeah, those guys are gone. Doesn't matter who takes who at, at two and three. Somebody trades yeah. up or Portland trades it, whatever. Those guys are off the board. Obviously, Wimby's gone. You're Rafael Stone. You're sitting in Houston's war room. Number four comes up. You got your five minutes on the clock. Who are you taking with the fourth pick and why? It all depends on do I know if James is coming. James Harden <laughs> is not coming back to Houston. Who are you taking with the fourth pick and why? Um... James is not is not coming to Houston. I think I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to take Cam Whitmore, Ooh. who's two years younger, Ooh. who's a great athlete. And I'm going to – and I'm just going way against the grain here. And I'm telling Jalen Green, hey, if you want to be that next-level guy in, in the NBA, I'm going to need you to be a better passer. And I'm putting – the guys around you that can play a complimentary role. So I'm, I'm KPJ, you're, you're staying, and we're going to have – and I'm trusting the new coaching staff, and we're just going to have the same guys, and we're going to have Cam Whitmore. We're going to have KPJ, Cam Whitmore, Jalen Green, Jabari, and, and Shagoon. <laughs> we're going to be – we're going to have shooting and athleticism, and I think I, w- I would just go against the grain. I really, I mean, you know, I, I it's two year difference though. This, this is why this is two year difference. Cam Whitmore is eighteen years old. Yeah, he's a lot younger. And, he, and when Cam Whitmore is twenty, he's going to be really good. He's he's going to be really good. And so I think that he has a more projectable role, and I think he he's he's a good shooter. And I just have concerns about the Thompson twins' touch. I mean, they're not saying twenty years old. But it's hard for me, even though they're like freak athletes and can pass and all that, it's just really hard for me to to um to just, you know, to be really confident about a primary ball handler that struggles at the free throw line also. And and so if teams are going under the screens, <laughs> it's gonna hurt my offense. So I'm going against the grain here. I no, I, I I respect it. I respect you going against the grain. I like the I like the Cam Whitmore pick again. There's there's a part of me that's still holding out hope that Scoot Henderson winds up falling, you know, finding his way to the Houston Rockets at pick number four. But Cam Whitmore being the dark horse guy to jump out at, at pick number four could be a possibility that we see happen on draft night. That would be uh, it would definitely turn some heads. That's for sure. You know the drill, man. Let everybody know where they can track you down at though for all your excellent draft coverage. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a good conversation. Uh, you can find me at nbabigboard.com. That's the newsletter that you know I have um, mock drafts, big boards, and intel. Then I have the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, which is five days a week. So if you like NBA draft content, you can find me at least seven or eight times out of a seven-day stretch. So um, I'm easy to find. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.